0: Hello and welcome to the Ending Body Burnout Show. We are your hosts, Chris and Philly, co-founders of a multi-award winning functional medicine practice serving busy people with energy, mood and gut issues.
1: While busyness, addictive doing, people pleasing and perfectionism might be the norm, it's not normal and it's a major contributor to health issues.
0: Our goal with this show is to give you a holistic root root cause approach to healing your body so that you don't have to continue doctor or diet hopping or popping a gazillion supplements hoping something might stick.
1: So get ready to heal your body, get your spark back, deeply connect with yourself and step into the life of your dreams. Let's Let's dive dive in. in. Hello everybody, welcome to the Ending Body Burnout Show. We have a gold nugget tip packed Episode for you today. We are chatting with Sharon Colin from The Functional Family. She is an award-winning ADHD coach. And it is not only does she have her own fascinating story to share about overcoming working through autoimmune condition due to the daily stress of raising three boys with severe ADHD. She also shares so many gold nugget tips around how to identify if you have ADHD in yourself and your children and how to work with an ADHD brain rather than trying to fix it and also manageable ways to bring more calm to the nervous system because people with ADHD do are very um, often stuck in a fight flight distracted uh, high stressed state so this is a must listen for anyone with or suspected adhd or if you have an adhd family member Or even if you're just struggling with overwhelm, stress, a distracted, busy mind and ADHD type signs and symptoms, you're going to find so much value in this episode. And I'm also excited to announce that Sharon is coming into our Ending Body Burnout method to do a very practical and action-packed, knowledge-bomb-packed, workshop with our clients in the Ending Body Burnout Method very soon. So clients look out for that one and make sure you all attend live because you'll want to pick Sharon's brain. She is a wealth of knowledge. It'll also be recorded in our portal. Um, And talking about the Ending Body Burnout Method, doors are now open. So we are having an extended door opening over the summer period where you can jump in and start your ending body burnout method journey straight away. Um, if you've already had a Connect the Dots initial consult or you've got lab test lab tests um, that you're waiting to get back, you can actually jump straight into the program and your first one on one with me will be to go over your lab tests. Um, but you don't have to do The what we call the answers phase first before you join the program. You can actually jump right in and I will make sure that I catch up with you within uh, the next one, two weeks to get you started with the initial consult Connect the Dots experience, which is great because I do have quite a wait list for people who are just booking in for the Connect the Dots. So this is an awesome way that you can – jump the queue and start your healing journey. (laughs) All right. Awesome. So let's jump into our convo with Sharon.
0: Okie dokie. Welcome to this episode. We're super excited to have Sharon on the podcast today. Uh, Thanks so much for for coming on, Sharon. We are excited to have a conversation with you. And uh, before we get into it, Welcome and tell us a little bit more about yourself and um, and your story.
2: Oh, thank you for having me, guys. I'm so excited for our chat today. Uh, so my name is Sharon Collin and I am a certified ADHD coach and I have the best job in the world. I get to uh, provide life-changing practical strategies and support for beautiful people with ADHD. Awesome. Thank so, you. Um, yeah, a little bit about my story. Do you want me to tell you a little bit? Yeah, about well, because
1: we, we, <laughs> we love when we have guests on because most people have some sort of a body burnout story. Yeah. And so so in the bio that our listeners would have listened to, you did hit burnout after hitting daily stress with dealing with three boys with severe ADHD, Tourette's and ODD.
2: Yes. Yeah. yeah. So it's, OOD, it's sorry. Sl- it's not a glamorous story. It's okay. O-D, yes. <laughs> yeah. Are, are you
1: happy to jump into that and Yeah. Sure. yeah how, what what was happening during that time, how you were feeling, symptoms that arised, and then we'll get into why you do what you do.
2: Okay. Yes. Yeah, sure. So basically how it all started is I married this incredible man called Anthony and he is, I lovingly call him my resident cyclone. Um, he has, now I'm an ADHD coach, so this says a lot, very, very extreme hyperactivity, ADHD. Um, had a terrible time growing up in school, um, you know, yeah, really quite trauma-filled stories for him. And anyway, we met. I loved that side of him. He's super spontaneous. He's, he's incredible. He's quite brilliant. Uh, he's a little bit got mad scientist vibes. That's like if you could picture that. Um, <laughs> And um, so we got married and we had three beautiful boys and they all have ADHD because we know it's genetic, right? Um, and we've got some Tourette's and uh, ODD in there and some specific learning disorders and things. And it was just a very extreme, well, it still is, a very extreme existence, right? So you've got me, little neurotypical me here, and these like just hurricanes, wah, um, swirling around the house. And it just burnt me out Mm -hmm. it really you know uh, everyone can do hard things for a short amount of time right but when you're living with a lot of stress and a lot of dysregulation and ADHD a little bit like burnout what we're talking about today in its core is a dysregulated nervous system Um, and so it takes its toll and so one of my favorite things that I get to do is to help families have easier lives with ADHD. That's what I'm super passionate about. Anything that makes saves time, saves effort, saves drama, I, that's that's my jam. Yeah. Love that, love that. Um, so a little bit about my journey with burnout is after um, I had, it, with each child, it kind of got progressively worse, mm-hmm. I've got to say. Like first one went burnout, like was, was very exhausted, burnt out, he was definitely not an easy child. Um, in terms of baby, like just screamed all the time, and um, which each one it got worse. And by the time it hit my, uh, I re- was recovering from my third child, uh, from the from the pregnancy and the birth and everything. It just went, bleh. <laughs> and so I did okay for a little while. But then I got diagnosis after diagnosis. So I got diagnosed with autoimmune condition, psoriatic arthritis, which mm. is a real bugger. That one. Um, lots of neuralgia, uh, lots of fatigue, lots of brain fog. I even half my face went paralysed, wow. um, yeah. Bell's palsy, mm-hmm. um, and just incredible amounts of stress mm-hmm. on my system mm-hmm. and it crying out for help. Um, yeah, so it's been quite an epic journey mm-hmm. um, and one that I love helping other people avoid. Mm-hmm. <laughs> So, okay, so that's a lot was going on. We always
1: love people to ask people what do you feel like was the root cause of your body burnout. With more Mm -hmm. wisdom and hindsight, often when you're in that, especially when you've got like autoimmune conditions, all sorts of weird stuff happening, it's very hard to see what's causing it when you're in it because you just want it to stop. (laughs) So you mentioned like a lot of stress with the kids and the husband, I'm guessing too. (laughs) Um, Like, do you think that that was it and then having babies or do you feel like there was something, I don't know, the way that you were, your expectations of the way you thought life should be or anything like that? Like, was there anything deeper behind how you were responding to the rest of the family and the stuff that was going on?
2: I think that's a really great question. Um, I had strong words with a new, with my neurologist the other day about this. Mm. So I will throw him under the bus here a little bit. Um, I think some of it was that I am quite mentally strong. Like I feel like I coped with the stress meant mm. like quite well mentally. But a lot of what happens when you have emotional dysregulation in the home and we have extreme behaviors and, you know, lots of aggression. And things like that that goes on is my body did not feel safe so my mind felt safe i knew i was researching adhd like a demon i've been studying it for 15 years right and i formally studied it and everything and even back then i was definitely studying it and working out how i could claw our family out of this hole that we were in Mm -hmm. um but my body didn't get the message that i was safe so these when you've got consistent you know aggression and and yelling and intensity going along around you it's very hard to give it that message that it that it is safe Mm. um so i would say that is probably the number one driver behind it and even though i was doing things like i was you know trying to you know go for walks and do meditation and things and i had the bit where i'm going to throw my neurologist under the bus is he's like oh, you know, you just also stress these days. Like, this is my neurology. He goes, I see distressing stuff and I like, I just don't let it affect me. Like, I'm, I, don't, I don't let it affect me. And I said, all right, okay, buddy, here we go. He also made the comment, oh, everyone has ADHD these days. And so I was like, okay, now we're at war, right? We're at war. And uh, he didn't know, but we were in war. We we're in war. And so I said to him, you know, I bet that you go home and you've got your wife and kids there, right? And it's like a sanctuary. Like, it's where you get to chill out, mm. And you get, you get to come home from work and yes, your job would be distressing, but you get to chill out there. I go home and it's a war zone, Mm. right? I have got to keep battling. Mm. So there's the difference people that have intense home lives, whether it be whatever it is, they don't have that place to retreat to. So they've got to find those little pockets that they can have those moments of calm and those little moments of retreat. Um, and of course, Having those moments of safety as well is really, really important. Mm. So yes. I, I very much enjoyed letting him know all about
1: mm. that. <laughs> it is, it's so until you you live that. Like I I mean, our children are pretty, I think our kids are kind of just usual ratty kids. <laughs> Lovely kids as well. But you know, they're they're pretty pretty chilled most of the time. They can have tantrums when we ask them to get off technology, especially the oldest one. Um but I would I kind of think about as you told that story too, I think about people just in environments, whether it's a family, a tribe with ADHD, or whether it's domestic violence, or even I think about families in in war countries. It's kind of like, yeah, the environment has a massive impact on the health of the body. Mm. So what have have you done then? Because, I mean, you could just uh, sell the children, but we don't want to do that.
2: (laughs) Oh, no, I I love them. I love them. I could never sell them. No. I I was...
1: Yeah. <laughs> sometimes, sometimes I think that in my head, I'm like, oh yeah, I could just give my children away and all my stress would go away. No, we don't want to do that. Um, <laughs> so what have you, what did you do initially to start healing from all the autoimmune conditions, the chronic fatigue, and then also now in the environment that you are in, um, to help prevent from going back down there, that track?
2: Yeah, I I think that the most important thing was uh, learning about how their brains worked, right? Mm -hmm. So in perhaps in the early days I was very much about fixing it. We've got to like, you know, we'll do this diet and we'll do this therapy and we'll do Mm -hmm. this and we'll do this and we'll throw everything at it. I think we spent $30,000 on my eldest child trying to fix it, right? Mm -hmm. Um, Now I very much don't do that. I try and work with it, not against it. So the strategies, you know, since this has been like 15 years of this, you know, this journey, but the strategies are to work with the ADHD brain. We look at where the strengths are and we try and build the environment in our home to very much suit the ADHD brain. I'm not going to work against it. So things that, that, um, you know, like when you've got kids with oppositional behaviours, I don't come in and tell them what to do because they're going to push back straight away, right? So instead of like... I uh, you <laughs> pointing. pointing. <laughs> Sounds like Chris. <laughs> no. Yes, it does. So they don't even know why they do it, right? So I might say something like, can you put your shoes on? And they'll mm. go, no, nah, I'm not putting my shoes on. Like it's an instant pushback, right? So instead of doing that, instead of giving a command, it's something as simple as saying, can you tell me what you need to do next? Mm. And they'll say... Put my shoes on, mm. and then they've got buy-in, and they'll do it right. They, we're getting them to come out of that oppositional behavior and actually think about what they need to do next. So knowing little tricks like that, uh, and knowing how to structure our home to make it easier for me, mm. uh, in particular, in in to survive the storm. Because when the storm hits, we need to adjust our stance, right? So I need to, <laughs> I needed to adjust my stance, um, and also knowing which fights to which fights to fight and which ones to to let go um, is very, very important. Um, but also for me and healing from like from the burnout element, really prioritising time away, mm. okay? So I need to have time away. I can't do it. I can't be a perfect parent. Well, no, I'm never going to be a perfect parent. But I to be even a, a good one, I need to have time because I'm an introvert. And when you are, um, you know, surrounded by people that are putting out huge energy all the time, I need to have time to retreat. So it's very, very important. Um, so however that looks like for me, like I drop the kids off, I go for a walk by the beach. That Sometimes I don't, I don't have time to go for a walk, so I'll just sit in the car and do deep breathing by the ocean. <laughs> mm-hmm. like that crazy lady at, in the, at the beach just breathing, right? Um, but those little things I've worked in, how to have those little pockets to give me a little bit of time to breathe and be me mm. to survive what what's going on. And, I mean, it's easier these days. We've got such good framework and such structure in place that I, I would, you know, I definitely don't feel like I'm under attack like the whole time like I used to. Like mm. things are a lot better. Um, obviously, they have an ADHD coach as a mum, which is really a bonus, mm. um, and we have lots of good support. Um, but, you know, knowing when to take those times and, and recognizing those little red flags as they come up. Like if I don't react to the kids how I want, like if I start screaming and, um, you know, have those parenting moments where you go, oh, I didn't handle that well. Like, you know, the ones where you're like, I'm driving away in the car, like, or you know, those sorts of things. They're just little red flags to me that I need to have those little pockets. Like I need to incorporate a few more of those in um, so I can have some breathing room. I don't judge myself about it it's a hard job that I'm doing. I just go, Oh, it's just a little red flag. I need to need to have a little bit of time.
1: Yeah. 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 Oh my gosh. There's so much that I had so many questions on everything that you just said that just then some things that came to mind was around, oh, what did you say? I, I let go of trying to fix it and I started working with it. And that's a big thing that we talk to our clients with as well. Sometimes people are so fixated on fixing the health issue or the symptom that it actually causes more stress and overwhelm and burnout than healing because you get so fixated on that end outcome as opposed to what can I learn here and what's the gift here and or well, what if actually there's nothing to be fixed but it's to – work out how to live in a way, like if we're talking specifically around ADHD, live in a way that we can have more harmony and peace and and manage the, the situation in a more healthy way. Mm. Um, and something that you said around, what was it, the defiant behaviour. So Chris and I... <laughs> So we've we've said on the podcast before. I think if not, everyone's about to learn that. Pretty sure Chris has undiagnosed ADHD. You tick like what almost all of the the symptom the signs.
0: Yeah, I forget how many in 19 the, to twenty. Yeah, there was like twenty-two or twenty-five or something like that um, markers, and I had most, and the other two were worded poorly. So I feel like. <laughs>
1: But it was when, before we knew that, well, before I understood that not everything is about me and that not everything is a personal attack, <laughs> I used to get really stressed out about Chris's behavior where I'd ask him to do something. Sometimes it was as simple as, oh, can you put the, the bin out or can you do the dishes or whatever it is? And you weren't You weren't sort of aggressive in terms of pushing it back, but I think you just were so in la-la land. (laughs) Kind of just like um, getting lost in whatever project you were doing, which is also his genius. But back then it was just like, what, you don't respect me? You don't love me? Why are you not like doing these simple things that I'm asking you to do so you can help me with the mental and physical load of running a household and children? And so... Yeah, that came to mind when you said, okay, how about we start working with the brain and rather than trying to fix it or getting or personalising it as an attack to me.
2: I think that you would speak to a lot of um, partners that perhaps have a neurodivergent partner um, that that some of the behaviours can look like not caring Mm. or not valuing. And um, in the flip side, for the neurodivergent partner, some of our behaviours for the neurotypical look a lot like nagging, and being a mum. So it can be really tricky navigating a relationship, and um, that's why when I love that, my Angelo, like when we know better, we do better, right? So once you know, you can go, okay, no, 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 this is this is not what that means. This just means that. He's in a hyper focus right now. He is mm. really into and and actually interrupting him out of that focus when he's worked so hard to get into it because of the transition steps that they have to do. Feels rude. Feels rude to get out of that that. Um, so it's. I just ordering. need to. I
0: just need to record that that you've just said that, <laughs> and just like put that as like a, a pre-saved button that I can just like, pre- you know, like a red button that you can save like an audio file. Is like, this isn't what it means.
1: This isn't what it means. <laughs> to also play to the children when they come in while you're on the computer. <laughs> Mostly to you. though. Oh. <laughs> Well, that's super interesting too because our oldest, I mean, she's very high functioning but I feel like she has inherited certain patterns that Chris has um, but it is on technology. Like the youngest one is like, hey, Elsie, it's time to turn that off now, TV, whether it's Xbox, TV, phone. She's like, okay, mummy or daddy. But the other one is just like so hyper fixated that Ooh. it's very hard to get her off without there being some sort of war and. Breakdown, <laughs>
2: mm-hmm. um, because she gets stuck in that. Shoo, yeah,
1: it's
2: very rewarding screen time, and it needs a lot of transition work to to help them come off it. Um, what are some yeah. tips? Oh my gosh, the whole webinar on this. <laughs> um, but really, I think notice is a great thing. Oh actually before that, take a step back, like agreeing before you go on it how long it is. Mm. Right? So remember with ADHD there's time awareness issues. Um, so really agreeing and having some sort of visual representation. Look at my whole world is full of timers, you know, like a visual representation of how long they have mm. um to use it before it before anyone touches a device. Um, I like to get them to actually fill in a check-in, check out like a library card. Oh, I um, like that. Yeah, because I want them to have buy-in and have the yeah. accountability of the time. Uh, and then, of course, giving them transition warnings is really great. So you might have something like, hey, like five minutes to go, four mm. minutes to go, three minutes, just to allow them to. I picture hyper-focus like, and bear in mind that screens are very, very great for dopamine and all that sort of stuff. Mm. I picture hyperfocus like growing hair out of your head and wrapping around the iPad, right? Mm. And we need to, when we ask them to come off, just allow time for that hair to go back into their head. Mm. So we don't do anything jarring. We allow time for transitions. Um, and you know, the other thing that's great is I hate the idea of parents having to go and like remove it out of the child's hands. So um I think that usually results in like, what do you what do you do when someone grabs something off you you want to fight? Right. Mm-hmm. So I love those um devices that like the apps that shut it down. So it's not in the hand, like it's not a parent coming and physically removing it. I think it's really great too. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's, I mean. That's just uh, the start, the, st- the base level of it um, because we know this is something that that a lot of families are struggling with and my family included, and I'm not anti-screens. I think it's a modern, we're in a modern world mm. um, and we have to equip our kids with these uh, these skills to be able to manage something that is as rewarding as mm. screen time. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Can you give us... A little bit of
1: like a one oh one on how to pick up if either a child or yourself as an adult may have ADHD. So, what are some some key signs that that may demonstrate that?
2: Yes. Um, well, first of all, I would say obviously go to your GP and talk about it if you're even suspecting it, mm-hmm. um, and get the proper assessment done by if it's a child a developmental paediatrician or if an adult um, psychiat- a psychiatrist. Um, but you, I would probably look at family history because we know ADHD is largely genetic, right? There's things that look like ADHD, like trauma and mm. breathing issues and food intolerances and all sorts of stuff, but um, ADHD in itself is genetic. So I'd be looking at family history. Um, you know, if you can spot, you know, <laughs> someone in the, in the line that has ADHD um, or you suspect had ADHD, that would be a really great place to start. Um, but I also, it is, ADHD in itself is a problem with executive functions. Um, So things like memory, short-term memory recall, emotional regulation, low frustration tolerance, um, you know, task switching, Um, You know, it's not a lack of focus. People with ADHD can focus incredibly well. They just don't have the ability necessarily to choose what they're focusing on. Mm. So it's a novelty and interest-based brain. It's not like a a neurotypical has an importance-based brain um, for ADHD. It has to be interesting. It has to be novelty. Um, So, you know, you can kind of spot it. Uh, you know, if their brain, perhaps your child, their brain's working a little bit differently or your partner, their brain's working a little bit differently. Um, Having a look at those things are great, but nothing, nothing compares to a proper diagnosis. And don't be scared to go through that diagnostic process because you can't fake it. So it's good to have that uh, validation if it is in fact ADHD. And I, I do always say I prefer the label Because some people are very anti labels. They don't want to tell their kids about it. But it's been my experience with ADHD coaching that people give themselves horrible labels when they don't have ADHD. Mm. They give themselves uh, lazy, useless, has potential, right? Like all of these awful, awful labels. And I'd rather them have the ADHD label and then we can do something about it and we can start working on it. That's super interesting. Again, I
1: think like a lot of work we do with our clients too is looking at, well, how did the body burnout happen in the first place? And we go back into childhood and do a lot of digging into deeper root cause unconscious beliefs that they have about themselves. And I'm pretty sure that a lot of, I'm thinking about a few clients in particular that have diagnosed ADHD, that a lot of their beliefs were, I'm lazy, I'm damaged, um, I'm, too, I'm too much Mm. and often that diagnosis didn't happen until later on as a teenager in adulthood so they're carrying this belief about themselves which is just like which is basically untrue it's just that their brain is wired in a different way yeah
2: and and often you know they're carrying around such heavy self-esteem issues and heavy beliefs um and you know i love being able to break those down a little bit for people. But on the flip side, and I know I've opened with the extreme side of my family, but on the flip side, like it's on the same spectrum as being a genius, mm-hmm. right? Like they are often incredibly gifted mm-hmm. Uh, and they're often funny, really generous, really caring. Oh, look, <laughs> Chris is like, do you want to say something, Chris? <laughs>
0: just wanted to go off mute and just go tick, tick. Yep, tick, tick, definitely also, the funny, definitely the funny one also, and good looking. I was about Did to say, you say good
2: looking? Very I, good, I good added looking. That one. I, I, I don't, I look, let's mum with good looking, right? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but that is that is so true. Like there
1: is, Chris and I always have a little giggle because we are opposites, complete opposites in all things. And some of the things that you're really genius at, I feel like, what am I trying to say here? Like it is, it is the gift. And sometimes I dislike it because it can get a bit too much, but then it's like, well, no, but I don't want you to be any different because if you were like me (laughs) or like, or, or someone else or just kind of average or just ho-humming along, then you wouldn't be who you are. So I love you. (laughs) Uh-huh. Well
0: done. <laughs> but but that's the that's the so thing. We
1: brought you guys together, you know.
0: <laughs> every every car, cu- like when we drive, when we drive on the street, there's still speed limits, right? That you can't. Nothing's a problem till it is. So when is accelerating a problem? Accelerating is a problem when you're going 150 in a 40k zone, right? So geniusness can sometimes reach that tipping point where it's now it's it's hey this is dysfunctional this is dysregulated this is not okay anymore and that's identifiable it's um workable um it's not you know it's not doom and gloom i I think that's Mm. right
2: and my favorite one of my favorite psychologists she has this analogy which i want to share with you so Picture Spider Man. He's been, he's just discovered that he can do the web, right? He can do the web thing, shoot the web out. I don't know, whatever that's called. Um, But he has to go away to a factory. Uh, He goes away to a warehouse and he practices it. He doesn't get it straight away. He just keeps webbing himself and causes himself all sorts of grief. So he goes away to this industrial area and he practices and practices and practices. That's what we need to get people with ADHD to do. They need, Mm. they've got a gift. They need to practice it. So executive functions, like what we spoke about before, they are a muscle that we can build. Mm. So if you have ADHD, you've got to build the muscle. Just like me with an autoimmune disease, I know I've got some things I need to work on, so I work on it, right? Everyone's got their stuff. If you've got something as amazing as ADHD, you've got to learn how to use your brain. Yeah. Um, And that's the coolest bit that I get to do. I get to shine a light on that for people. How are we gonna work on that? How are we gonna pull your strengths across and use that for some of the things you find more challenging?
1: Mm. Mm, That's That's so cool. Chris, like Chris's burnout story was you were just hyper focused with business. And we had a gym back in the day when you got really burnt out and training. And it was just like, it was tunnel vision. This is everything that I do from 5 a.m. to 10 p.m. at night, no break. Um, and then I, I'm curious if this is something that you do as an ADHD coach in terms of helping people with ADHD, but Chris is also with the time. Um, what's that? Yeah. Like no concept. <laughs> and so, and so my brain you just is,
0: made that up. There's no such thing <laughs> as time.
1: <laughs> my brain just thinks, Oh, I just have my to-do list in my head and the things that I need to do in my head. And then I turn up and I do the thing. Chris, on the other hand, he's like, how can you even do that? And so if we could move the camera, he has like a project board with heaps of little sticky notes and the calendar is like, now I'm going to eat food and now I'm going to do workout and this is when I'm going to meet my coaching clients. Is that something that
2: is actually really helpful? (laughs) And this is a great visual strategy, yes. Yeah. Because I think a lot of people with ADHD they have the thing called time blindness, right? I prefer to call it time awareness. So mm-hmm. they have they either um over-anticipate how long a task will be. So like say like they, they've got to do like a few admin things before they go to bed and they think it's gonna take hours, so they procrastinate, put it off, or they underestimate, they're very optimistic about time, like they'll be like, oh no, I can knock that over in five minutes, but actually it's an hour. Um, And they secretly think that they are a time wizard, they can bend time. So you can leave, even though like it's 20 minutes to get to the destination, you think you can leave in five minutes, but you're going to catch up time miraculously somewhere on the way. Um, So it's very much about having that time awareness piece. So having like a visual representation of time, thinking about it. And you've done this in your with your visuals there um, Chris, you've got you know you've got your planner. You're, you're actually scheduling it in, which helps you be realistic about what you can actually achieve in one day, which is wonderful. Um, and setting that sort of marker with when, when things are going to happen to make sure that you don't get into hyper focus and forget to eat and forget to you know do the other stuff. Um,
0: which, which happens. Very, very good. <laughs> yeah,
2: yeah. What's it? What's a tip if you if you color code the calendar and then you still don't follow it? Yeah. <laughs> Well, that's the the most effective tool is the one that you use, right? Mm -hmm. So maybe that is having it a bit like actual physical one that's not around with you can be a problem. Like maybe you need like a reminder, maybe you need like one of these ones, maybe Mm. you need an alarm like one like that has an alarm going off. Mm. Um, Maybe you need to have it stacked. So there's something else that you do. Like every time you go for a coffee, you make sure you grab a bite of a sandwich or something, you know, like or something. Maybe there's something that you can stack on top of another thing that you're already doing. Um, Like, you know, I often say to people that are having, you know, because we know ADHD is is burnout, right? Mm. Um, It's synonymous with burnout. That every time you go to the toilet, take a deep breath, check in with your body, where are you? Like just because everyone goes to the toilet, you can't put that off for too long. Mm. (laughs) Um, So maybe that's your opportunity when you're in there and you've got the door shut to just do a deep breath. Maybe you need to put a post-it on the back of the door saying check in, you know, just so you can have those little moments um, to centre you you know, and ground yourself a little bit um, in the whirlwind of the day.
1: Mm. Yes. Do you find so so there is a very strong relationship between ADHD and burnout because of the dysregulation side of things? Whether you're the person with it or the person who is caring for someone with ADHD, um, do you do you find that people with ADHD struggle to do what you just said in terms of having that? downtime uh, to allow the nervous system to come back to a state of calm is that something or or do you find that it just it's different for different people like some people just naturally gravitate to spending three hours at the beach in the morning
2: (laughs) Uh, it can depend and I think that ADHD is quite linked to burnout because Um, it's a very anxious brain. So it's a very, very fast brain that's thinking a lot, often 10 steps ahead of everyone else. Mm. Um, And that is okay. Um, You know, it often is one of their gifts, but it also is exhausting. Mm. (laughs) Um, So when you're processing things at such a speed and you're anticipating and you're thinking about things really quickly, uh, and for women, it often looks like anxiety, right? But it's not anxiety, it's ADHD. Mm.
1: Um,
2: and couple that with a bit of masking and trying to keep it all in and trying to look like everyone else, that is an exhausting combo um, to, to walk around with. So some people do really well with, you know, taking, you know, Meditating, mindfulness, those sorts of things. For some people, it needs to look a little bit more like moving meditation, and you know, the gym and physical exercise and being out in nature. Um, you know, not being still. You know, that stereotypical meditation, sitting with the legs crossed type. Vibe. That doesn't. That doesn't necessarily work. But those sorts of little moments of consciously, like being intentional and bringing it down a couple of notches, um, can really help. Mm. Uh, for that dysregulated nervous system. I love it. Yeah, that's cool. What's the book that
1: uh, you have? I'm sure heard of this book. What's the book that you read around ADHD? <laughs> and it talks All about. Well, no, it talks. There's a book that talks about um, like uh, it likens agricultural people to oh uh, hunter gatherers. <laughs> hunter, hunter <laughs> gatherer. Okay, we can't remember it.
2: Anyway. It's a great book. <laughs> I think I know what you mean. So you're talking about like back in, in the back in when we were tribes and the ADHD people would be out the front. They would be the hunters, right? The Correct. people pushing forward, taking the risks. Yes. And now that the, the the problem is that they weren't built for sitting in a in a desk chair all day. Yes. They're out there supposed to be taking risks, pushing the tribe forward and, and being like the leaders. Mm-hmm. Right? Um, but we're not using now in our modern world we're not using that and that's where it's causing the problem for people with ADHD because we're not supposed to be sitting down all day working on computers. We're supposed to be out doing adventure adventure things.
0: Yes. It's, it's just called A Hunter in a Farmer's World, yeah, okay. ADHD, A Hunter in a yeah. Farmer's World yeah. by Tom Hartman.
1: And it just clicked in my mind when you talked about, oh, maybe it's not the sitting down and meditating and being still, it's actually moving the body in a mindful way. Um, yeah, and that's what brought that book to mind in terms mm. of the hunter it is the one that's active and doing things and exactly right. Like so many people, kids as well, sitting down on chairs at tables, doing the work, you become an adult. A lot of people are working on computers these days. And does that just exacerbate like the burnout side of things of ADHD because you're not able to
2: burn off the energy is that I think what we call it is like the base levels you know if we're talking about hierarchy of needs you know and having uh, a really nice grounding of what we need as say like the cement or the slab of the house so things like sleep eating a healthy diet being out in nature like they're the basis of mm. like what we need to be happy and to be uh, and we know that when we don't get those the things on the slab of the house right the adhd symptoms are much more variable like they are um, more significant they're more pronounced so we need to make sure that we get those things correct in order to be a functional mm. um you know human so those things that become when you have adhd because you're more sensitive to the world um those things become more important that those foundations are incredibly important yeah awesome huh.
1: We could talk to you all day. (laughs) One last question. What do you, so if there's anyone, listeners, struggling with body burnout at the moment, especially if they have identified or they're like suspecting they may have ADHD or caring for someone with ADHD, what would you be, what would you suggest is the first steps towards moving to healing, creating a bit more calm, working with the brain rather than against it? What would, what would be the first steps?
2: Uh, so I think the first step is knowledge, like learning about just like what you've done, um, Chris, you know, reading about it, understanding how your brain works. Um, That, that is always going to be your coming at it from a position of power then. Um, but also addressing what I would call a predictable problem. So, We know that especially when you're raising kids with ADHD, you know, like there's big meltdowns that happen. They're not the things that grind our gears, right? We can handle big things when they come up. We can do hard things for a short time. But it's the everyday little bits of stress that like wear you down over time. So this is for adults with ADHD too. This is for everybody. So if there is like... Say, for example, my son hates putting a seatbelt on. So even before I go down to the car, my body is tensing. I know that he's going to have a problem. I know that it's going to be an unpleasant interaction. Um, And so I know that is what we call a predictable problem. It happens day in, day out. I know it's going to cause a problem. So what I would love for people to do is to work through those predictable problems so collaborate with those around us what can we do to make this easier for us is there some framework that we can put in we don't want to just keep hitting our head against the brick wall perhaps there's something that we can try and we don't have to be emotionally um, hooked up to any outcome we're just experimenting so we just say like hey let's just give this thing a go let's see how that goes let's let's get some feedback on that and see if we can make this a little bit easier for us um easier for you easier for all of us um, and I love to collaborate with my children on this. So I'll say like, hey, buddy, I can see you're struggling with this seatbelt thing. Like, And you do this when they're calm, not when they're mm. like kicking off about a seatbelt. And you go hey like what can we do to make this a bit easier for you and he might say something ridiculous like I just want it, like this car smells like that's probably what he would say he'd say this car smells he thinks it smells like biscuits and it probably does um you know and then we can go let's get the car clean like let's do something let's let's put a cover over the seat but we come up with some solutions together he's got the buy-in because he's suggesting things and then we document what works um and what I'm doing in that instance is I'm getting and collaborating with them which which ADHD people don't love being told what to do right so we're collaborating. Um, We're letting them come up with solutions and have buy-in. We're encouraging the best part of the ADHD brain, which is their ideas factories. They have the best ideas ever. Um, So we're asking them to problem solve and we're teaching them that skill of, you know, thinking about something that's causing them friction and solving it for themselves. Mm. Um, And so I've got a little predictable problems worksheet for you that you guys can work through with an instructional video on how to solve those predictable problems. Um, so you guys can have that and you can start working through some of those little friction points, um, you know, if you if you come up with them and so can your listeners as well.
1: Awesome. I love That's that. That's Yeah. We'll pop that in the show notes so all the listeners can download the Predictable Problems Worksheet. Yeah. I think it will yes. be so good. And I feel like probably even if someone doesn't have ADHD but they're in a state of stress and overwhelm, burnout? Would this be a useful resource as well?
2: Yeah. And I can't tell you, like, I don't have ADHD, right? But how many times I've used this sheet just because it slows you down enough to think of, okay, what can I do about this thing? Get out of this, the problem, there's a problem, there's a problem and I hate it and I hate it. And why is this happening to me? To like, what can I actually do about it? And we come up with three different solutions. So that way you're not like, you're not invested, like fully invested in any of them because I don't want it to be like with ADHD comes along with black and white thinking, right? So like it's, oh, it's ruined now. Like we don't want to do that. We just want to experiment, roll it out, see how it goes, get some feedback and refine it. Mm. Um, so I I can do, I can do that myself. So we're, instead of having these friction points as we move throughout the day, we're actually looking at our life from a helicopter view and going, okay. What can we take? Which friction bits can we take away? Which bits can we solve? Which bits can we um, put some buffering around? Like, how can we make life easier? Because we are here for such a short time, and it can't be just surviving, right? We have to be able to enjoy life as well. Like, we we handle the hand that we've been given, and we enjoy it, and we have a happy life together. So we've got to have those moments where we look at it from 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 up top and go, okay, what what can we do to make this easier and more fun? Mm. I love it.
1: Thank you so much. You've just been super generous with sharing not just your story but so many golden little nuggets that people can just take away and start implementing. So it's been awesome chatting. Thank you.
2: Thank you so much for our chat. I've loved chatting with you guys.
1: Thanks, Sharon. All right. Well, thanks, guys, for
0: tuning in. We will uh, see you on the next episode.
1: Thank you so much for listening. We so appreciate you. If you'd like to give us extra smiles, drop us a review and spread the love by sharing this episode.
0: You can also rate your own state of burnout and the root cause contributors by taking our Ending Body Burnout Assessment on our website. And if you're interested in learning about our group or one-on-one Ending Body Burnout programs, shoot us a DM via Instagram or Facebook.
1: Have Have the the best best day
0: day ever. (laughs)